0: Let's get this revolution started. Let's get this revolution started. You're listening to the Compassion Revolution podcast. Each week we'll be looking at love, compassion, courage and tenderness, and all the hard work of showing up to shape a compassion revolution. I'm Mary Freer, and I've got twenty years working in healthcare behind me, and there's so much more for us to learn. Let's dive in. Hey there, my dear friend. Is it snowing where you are right now? I just thought I'd ask. It's actually quite warm here where I live, but you know, I was curious. Are you well? Are you happy? Have you told anyone today just how much you admire them? Well, get on with that. Give them a call, send them a message or an email. Hello, I really admire you. Job done. Sometimes we make everything so complicated. You know, we can make some things really simple. I care. I see you. I've got you. Let me help. Can I make that easier for you? Here, you go first. You know what I hear every time I speak about my work cultivating compassion in healthcare? invariably I get this response from at least one person in the room. I don't think you can teach compassion. I think it's an eight. You can't teach someone. They either have it or they don't. Every single time I get that. And the other thing that's interesting is that people tend to have very fixed views about the answer to that question. And even when I present research and evidence, they always ask for more or discount the evidence in favour of the idea that compassion and empathy are fixed states. It's really interesting. Well, can we train people to be more compassionate? Yes, absolutely. Compassion is a muscle. If you train the muscle, you get stronger, just like anything. You develop a tendency to behave with more compassion And compassionate people are also calmer. Unless we're talking about, you know, the sociopath or someone who has damage to certain areas of their brain, it doesn't take very long to see improvement in their ability to access compassionate thoughts, feelings and actions. We definitely can train people to be more compassionate and we can cultivate our own capacity for compassion. But, you know, just like no one got fit reading about exercise, you actually have to do the work. A simple loving-kindness meditation or compassion meditation every day for two weeks will bring about some change in your mood, your thoughts and your brain. These are changes we can observe and record. In one research study the researchers at Centre for Healthy Minds at UW-Madison wanted to see what kind of impact this compassion training had on the brain. So using functional magnetic resonance imaging, both before and after people did the training, researchers were able to see how compassion meditation really did influence brain activity. Compassion meditation can shift habits of becoming overly distressed when we encounter another person's pain. People can learn a calmer and more balanced response so that when we see someone suffering, even when we're attending more to suffering, we can have a different, more compassionate and balanced approach that isn't going to wear us out. So in the study they did, there were 24 participants and they were randomly assigned and trained to do either 30 minutes of compassion meditation or they were trained in reappraisal training. And basically that means reinterpreting personal stressful events to decrease your negative or yucky emotions. And they did that every day for two weeks. It's not very long. The Compassion Meditation Group was trained to visualize people when they were suffering and to practice noticing their own personal reactions in a calm and non-judgmental way. So they focused on a loved one, on themselves, on a stranger and on someone with whom they had conflict. They also practiced caring for and wishing to help the other person. So for instance, they imagined each of those people and they would say quietly to themselves, may you be well, may you be happy, may you be free from suffering. In this way, practicing compassion meditation was like exercising a muscle by gradually increasing the weight of the relationship with each person considered. Both groups then had their brains scanned before they were trained and after two weeks of practice to see whether compassion meditation made it easier for those people who were trained to actually look at a suffering person. You see, humans are visually attentive as a species. Looking at someone is a critical first step in determining if they're in need. So it's really important for us that we engage by looking at people, looking into their eyes, looking at their face. Your eyes are basically a window into what you care about. And so the researchers wanted to know, does looking more at suffering in the mind's eye translate into looking more at suffering out in the real world? And can we do that with less distress? That's what's really important for those people who work in healthcare and human services. So while they were in the brain scanner before and after two weeks of practice, the participants viewed neutral images of strangers as well as really emotionally evocative images of people suffering, like a burn victim or a crying child. And they were instructed to react to the images as they normally would, but they had to make use of their new training. So for instance, the people in the compassion training group practice compassion toward individuals in the images. So they would see the child crying and they would think, may this child be happy and free from suffering. But the reappraisal group reframed the situation. This person is an actor and they aren't really suffering. The researchers then used these eye-tracking techniques to record where people spent the most time gazing at each image, whether it was on areas of the image that were more negative, such as the faces of those who were suffering, or whether it was on less emotionally charged parts of the image. And then they also compared this to how much time each participant looked at the socially relevant areas of the neutral images, like the face of a person walking down the street. And what did the research team find? They found that the people who practice compassion meditation tended to look more directly at suffering in the negative images, relative to the neutral photos. They also showed less activity in their amygdala, insula, and orbitofrontal cortex, and these are the areas of the brain that are usually more active when experiencing emotional distress. And when these areas are active, they often lead to a withdrawal response or an averted gaze. But this didn't happen with people who practice the compassion training. And the finding was not present in the reappraisal group, and the results suggest that compassion... Could really be a mechanism through which people become much calmer in the face of suffering. Because we communicate a lot with our eyes, this research might suggest that compassion training has an impact on the body and can actually shift where you direct your visual attention when you see others in pain. The other thing that's really important is that compassion meditation slows things down so people can practice being more calm. They can notice the feelings that arise and learn to be less reactive. Compassion training gives you more mental space to focus on the other person. It gives you more space to practice wishing kindness, wanting them to be well. This is really important because you want to be calmer and you want to practice wanting people to be free of harm. So if you work in healthcare, I really want you to be able to see the distress and suffering but not be worn out by it. And compassion enables us to develop more resilience and empathy. We even feel more hopeful and connected. One researcher referred to the change that happens to people who practice compassion meditation as the warm glow effect people begin to feel a greater sense of warmth and connection with others. So try sitting still and taking a few deep breaths and setting your mind and practicing compassion meditation. See what happens. Maybe think of the barista who makes your coffee or the person who delivers your mail and then send them loving thoughts. May you be well, may you be happy, may be free from suffering and really want this for them. Try it with yourself, with friends, strangers and when you're feeling really brave, try it with that person who drives you crazy at work. If you need some help, maybe tune in to the episode we recorded all about compassion meditation. Hang on, I'm feeling a New Year's resolution coming on. Okay, until next week, may you be well, may you be happy, may you feel the warm glow. This, revolution, let's get it started. this podcast is a production of Freer Thinking and our theme music is produced by Iris Latour on I Love You, Let's Party. Subscribe to hear more about us at CompassionRevolution.care or drop us a line podcast at compassionrevolution.care and if you'd like to leave a comment on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast we'd really appreciate it and don't forget generously share with your friends viva la revolution